Earn a Master of Arts in Ministry degree online through St. John's School of Theology and Seminary. Every admitted degree-seeking student receives a tuition scholarship. Learn more at www.collegevillemn.com. Applications are still open for the fall of 2023. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. The Vatican has confirmed that Pope Francis commissioned Cardinal Matteo Zuppi to carry out a mission to Ukraine and initiate a path towards peace. The Archbishop of Bologna has ties to the Sant'Egidio community. It is heavily involved in peace negotiations in nations such as South Sudan and Mozambique. Last Saturday, Pope Francis appointed Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, the head of the Italian Bishops' Conference, to visit Moscow to lead a mission to help ease tensions in the conflict in Ukraine. Does the Vatican finally have a way to dialogue with Russian President Vladimir Putin? We'll talk about that more on today's show. The director of the Holy See Press Office, Matteo Bruni, announcing today Pope Francis will travel to Lisbon and Fatima to take part in the World Youth Day. It's the second time as Pope that the Holy Father will visit the Marian pilgrimage site, the destination of millions of pilgrims every year. The Vatican has confirmed Pope Francis will be at World Youth Day in Lisbon from August 2nd through 6th. While in Portugal, the Pope will make a special visit to Fatima. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from a sunny Rome, but Colleen, I can tell you, we think we are getting a tropical climate here because it's sunny and warm and humid in the first part of the day, and usually we get a bit some rain in the afternoon. So we may get some rain later today. It's about the same here. I've been outside all morning, actually, because my baby will only stop crying if I put him on the porch swing right now. <laughs> Jerry, before we dive into our stories for today, we did have an update on the driver who drove past the Swiss Guard and was arrested at the Vatican. What do we know now? So what we know is that he's in a psychiatric unit of a hospital near the Vatican. Remember, the reason he tried to get into the Vatican, he wanted to reach the Pope, he wanted to talk to the Pope to tell him that he had seen the devil and he wanted to talk about this experience with the Pope. And the psychiatric treatment was actually his sentence from his Vatican trial, right? Yes, they understood he didn't have any arms, he didn't have any bombs. It was obvious that he had some psychiatric problems and some background with drugs as well. Got it. So they felt that the obvious thing, they kept him in the Vatican prison for one night, they brought him before the magistrate, and then the magistrate decided he should be taken to the hospital. All right, Jerry, now into our stories for this week, beginning with this secret peace mission to Ukraine that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. So on his return flight from Hungary, Pope Francis made a cryptic announcement that we've been trying to decode and you've been trying to gain intelligence about from your sources in the Vatican. Pope Francis had said that there's a mission underway, referring to a mission to stop the war in Ukraine, but he said it's not yet public. When it's public, I will reveal it. So on last week's show, we reported on the Pope's sudden surprise meeting at the Vatican with President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine. Ricardo asked you last week if this was part of the secret peace mission that the Pope had been talking about, and you thought there was more. Now we know a little bit about the more. What do we know now? 
Last Saturday evening, the Vatican announced that the Pope has tasked Cardinal Matteo Zuppi to conduct a peace mission. He is to do so together with the Vatican Secretariat of State and to try to ease, lessen the tensions in the conflict in Ukraine. Jerry, can you tell us a little more about Cardinal Zuppi? Like, who is he? Why him for this mission? Cardinal Zuppi is popularly known here as Don Matteo. He was a high school student when he joined the Sant'Egidio community. And real quick, what's Sant'Egidio? Sant'Egidio is a Catholic lake community which was set up at the end of the 1960s, the beginning of the 1970s. Don Matteo was one of the early members. He's the first priest of that community. Today he is six or 67 years old. He will be 68 in October. Benedict XVI made him Auxiliary Bishop of Rome in 2012. Pope Francis made him Archbishop of Bologna in 2015 and made him Cardinal in 2019. And last year he became uh, the president of the Italian Bishops' Conference. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing a lot of like church administration. You know, Does he have any background in diplomacy? One of the things that Sant'Egidio, the lay community, has been involved in is trying to make peace in different countries. It's probably the main achievement has been in Mozambique, where it played an important role in resolving a 17-year-old civil war in that country. In May 1992, it helped to bring about a peace accord between the rebels and the government. And that peace accord has substantially held. They're still fighting in one part of the country, but it's substantially held. And was Don Matteo part of Sant'Egidio's work in Mozambique? Yes, yes. He, he was one of the key people. Don Matteo has also been involved in Burundi in, uh, to a degree in Algeria, in some Latin American countries. So the community has been reaching out in different conflict situations to try to bring the warring factions together. So he he has an experience in that field. He's not a diplomat. In other words, he's not been trained in the Pontifical Academy for Vatican diplomats. It's probably worth mentioning, too, that if his formation is mostly with Sant'Egidio, they have a unique way of approaching conflicts where they refer to the people that they're helping, whether that's, you know, the the poor on the streets or warring factions in some country, they try to approach them and build friendship. That's their key, you know, value is friendship. And that's maybe different from how a a Vatican diplomat might might go about it. Yes, they have an approach where they, they don't come out criticizing the human rights violations done by one party or another. Let's say Don Matteo has hands-on experience rather than diplomatic, but of course he's dealt with heads of state, he's dealt with governments. He has a long experience. And he's a man of dialogue. He's He's a very simple pastor. He's a pastor in Francis's own kind of mold. When he was a bishop in Rome, he used to go around in a bike. And in in, in uh, Bologna also, he's a man who uh, works for inclusion, not exclusion. And then the Sant'Egidio community has engaged a lot in the work for Christian unity. And so they have had long-standing relations with the Patriarchate of Moscow, the Orthodox Church. I remember before Kirill was uh, ever Patriarch, they had him at meetings here in Italy. 
So Cardinal Zuppi and the Secretary of State, Cardinal Perlin, are going to do this peace mission. I guess two questions here. What is the peace mission? What are they going to do? And where are they going? Well, it's not a question of whether Cardinal Perlin is going with him. We don't know who will travel with him, but he's to do it in accord with the Secretariat of State. The Vatican Secretariat of State, in other words, means the Vatican diplomacy, etc. So he's cooperating with them. Yes, he's got to do it in harmony. The, the Pope wanted, I think, to make clear that this is a mission of the Holy See. This is a mission of the Pope, also involving the Vatican Secretariat of State. How this is done, we don't know. Uh, the Vatican statement said the modalities, in other words, the weights to be done, the timing, etc., and those involved are yet under study. So it's not uh, that there's a complete plan right now. They know what they want. And it's no secret. They want to get to Mr. Putin and, of course, to President Zelensky. And they want a ceasefire first, and then they want peace talks, right? Yes, they're not saying this, and they've been very careful, I think, in the wording, to lessen the tensions. In other words, to create the climate for, for peace. Uh, because right now, the possibility of a ceasefire is zero or less than zero. The big problem hitherto is that while, as I said in last week's program, we've got a, there's a highway of communication between Kiev and Rome, the president has come to the Pope. The prime minister has come to the Pope. Many members of parliament have come to the Pope. Victims have come to the Pope. From Moscow, there's very little traffic on that highway. The Pope said in one recent interview, even on the plane, he said, my main way of communicating with the Russians is through the ambassador to the Holy See. Now that ambassador has been changed. Right. The day before Zelensky came, he said goodbye to the Pope. And uh, there's a new one. I think he may have arrived. I don't see that he has presented his credentials yet. But uh, it will. he'll be starting with a new man. Presenting your credentials is basically when a new ambassador goes to the Pope and officially begins their work as the ambassador to the Vatican from whatever country. Yes, it means you go to the head of state, that's the Pope, and you say, now I represent my country, and he represents Mr. Putin. It's very clear he's representing Mr. Putin and the Russian Federation to the Pope. So, Jerry, even though there's a highway of communication, as you said, between Zelensky and the Pope, even Zelensky has said that peace is not possible in this situation. So what do you think that Cardinal Zuppi, Don Mateo's strategy is going to be here? Well, that's for him to decide. I, I, I One can only speculate. When You remember, and uh, I told you in past program, that also uh, when I asked the Vatican foreign minister, Archbishop Gallagher, uh, because the Vatican has constantly said they want a just peace. And I said, what concretely does a just peace mean for the Vatican? And he said that the Russians withdraw from Ukrainian territory. That's the clearest statement we've had today from any senior Vatican official about what the Vatican position is. Put in a word, Colleen, trust has completely broken down between the two sides. And surely, one of the tasks of Cardinal Zuppi will begin to begin to put building bricks for trust. That is an uphill task. Jerry, 
it sounds like we don't know a whole lot about this mission. What can we expect next? Well, right now the Italian Bishops' Conference is meeting and Don Matteo is presiding over it. So after this, I think he will be moving into uh, perhaps the nuts and bolts of this uh, peace mission. I understand that they've already been in contact with Moscow and with Kiev. And so at some stage, I presume he will make a visit, or maybe surely with somebody else, to both capitals. Whether he will actually manage to meet with President Putin is, you know, a six marker. The indication so far is that uh, that door hasn't yet been opened. All right. So we will keep our listeners updated as Cardinal Zuppi and perhaps his delegation prepare for what could be a really critical mission for peace between Ukraine and Russia. We know that Pope Francis himself will not stop praying for peace, however elusive it might seem. We'll have more on that after the break when we talk about the Pope's visit to Fatima during the upcoming World Youth Day in Lisbon. Stay with us. For our second story this week, the Vatican has officially confirmed that Pope Francis will be attending the World Youth Day in Lisbon. That'll take place from August 2nd through 6th, and the preparations are firmly underway. The organizers are expecting more than a million pilgrims, with 600,000 already registered to attend. Now, Jerry, my understanding is that it's a little unusual for the Pope to stay for the whole week. Is that right? Well, it depends, Colleen. Okay. Because uh, remember, the first World Youth Day was in Rome, 1986. I do not remember, but I will take your word for it. (laughs) Yes, I'm the veteran, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) But the second one was in Buenos Aires. First foreign World Youth Day was in Buenos Aires. And since then, the Pope uh, sometimes comes for the beginning and stays through, as happened in Canada. But usually before the Pope arrives, there are sessions of catechesis where bishops from different parts of the world come and dialogue with the young people and other significant people in the Catholic world come. But this time he's coming uh, on the Wednesday, staying until the Sunday. And what is significant, of course, is that this is a Catholic country of 10 million people, more than 80% say they're Catholic, and surprisingly high number of young people, 53% profess to be Catholic. It's going to attract a lot of people, and it's Pope Francis's second time to visit Portugal. We know that the church in Portugal is one of the latest to deal with the sexual abuse crisis. Do you think that that is part of why the Pope might be staying for such an extended time to to meet with abuse survivors? Well, the bishops have made clear and the Pope has made clear he's going for World Youth Day. But obviously, you know, on these events, other things happen as well. Of course, he's well aware that France has experienced a real problem with the abuse crisis. There's been an investigation, etc. Nearby Spain has experienced a tremendous problem. And now Portugal itself has experienced problems where recently an independent report claimed that almost 5,000 children were abused. 
Right. I have the the numbers here. So it found that more than 4,800 children may have been victims of sexual abuse by church workers, mostly priests during the course of 72 years that the study covered. And it showed that 48% of the 512 people interviewed said it was the first time that they were ever telling anyone about their experience of abuse. Yes. And I think it's important to say here, uh, in in uh, deference to the church's effort to counteract the abuse, that most, practically all the cases, were more than 20 years old. Very few cases have emerged after that date. The same is true, of course, in the United States. Right, where we're currently dealing with the new Attorney General's report out of Illinois. So the bishops have been criticized for being reluctant to deal with the crisis in Portugal. A lot of the news coverage has focused on that. There's also the issue of Bishop Bello, who had his case in East Timor. Can you just fill us in on that story a little bit and and what the concern is here? Well, he was accused of abusing boys in his country. There is not much public detail. There are some cases because people don't want to come out. And, and state the case. A few have given evidence, and uh, there seems little doubt of it. Uh, the Vatican has taken action, and he has been uh, barred from ministry. We presume he's in Portugal now. There's been little evidence recently of his whereabouts because he doesn't kind of come out public. Right. So that gives us a sense of, you know, where the Portuguese church is right now. There's this controversial figure of Bishop Bello aside, even without that, there's a huge reckoning happening with abuse of minors by priests. Jerry, I want to talk about now this detail about the Pope going to Fatima. It's interesting that the Pope is going to Fatima, given that he was just there in 2017 for the centennial of the Marian apparition at Fatima. But I also understand that it's tradition for a Pope to visit a shrine in wherever World Youth Day is held. So Jerry, there's also this connection to Russia and Ukraine. Let's just unpack this a little bit. Why do you think that the Pope is going to Fatima during World Youth Day? Well, first of all, Paul VI went to Fatima in 1967. John Paul II went to Fatima three times. And I remember the third time was in the year 2000 when he beatified the two children of Fatima, Francisco and Jacinta. So John Paul II beatified those children in the year 2000, and that's when they revealed the secrets of Fatima. Benedict XVI also went to Fatima, and Francis went there to canonize the children a hundred years after the first apparition. He was there in May 13, 2017. They were peasant children. Their lives are quite extraordinary, and I think it's very appropriate that the young people are gathering in Lisbon, 75 miles from Fatima, in a country where children really were protagonists. Now let's go into the basics of Fatima. I know that there's an apparition of Mary to these children and that she tells them some secrets that you alluded to. What What's the deal with that? Well, there were several apparitions. Okay. Uh, over a number of years. And the three secrets was the first of all, the children saw a vision of hell, mm. people in torment, etc. The second secret was that she predicted the end of World War I. Remember, we were in 1917. World War I ended in 1919. She predicted the end of World War I and the beginning of World War II, which started in 1939, 
and went on until 1945. And she also asked the children to tell people to pray for the conversion of Russia, because if Russia wasn't converted, it would continue to spread its evil around the world and there would be no peace. And of course, the church, the Christians in Russia at that time were being heavily persecuted. And the third secret was related to the bishops and the Pope and bishop dressed in white, going up a hill among many bodies and soldiers opened fire on them and the Pope fell looking dead. And some people have taken this as a prediction of the assassination attempt on John Paul II, right? John Paul II interpreted it in that light, I think it's, it's true to say, because he brought the bullet that went through his body, he brought it and he put it on the crown of Our Lady at Fatima. Why are they called secrets? Because they were n not to be made public, especially the third one. Lucia was the sister who wrote down all these, and she gave them to the popes. She felt it shouldn't be made public, especially the third secret, and the Vatican had all this written information, and they kept it secret. They knew about the, the request for the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and Pope Pius XII in 1942 as the world war was happening, consecrated Russia and the world to Our Lady. John Paul II did the same. And Pope Francis recently asked people to pray for an end to the war in Ukraine to Our Lady of Fatima, right? He also consecrated Russia and uh, Ukraine. He added Ukraine to it, to Our Lady, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, on March the 25th, 2022 as the war was raging in Ukraine. So the Pope's visit to Fatima during this trip, do you think it's connected to the war? Do you think that he'll talk about the war there? Whether he will talk there or talk later, I don't know. But it's very clear that since this whole the history of the apparitions, the interpretation of the apparitions have all been linked in a way to Russia and to the conflict, to world peace, it's really, it is clear that he will go and pray for peace there. So the Pope's visit to Fatima is actually the first of his planned travels outside Italy in the second half of this year. He's also expected to go to Mongolia at the end of August. This is a country of 3.5 million people with a very small Catholic population, but the Pope's eyes have been on Mongolia. He recently appointed a cardinal or who's ministering there. There's only about 1,400 Catholics there, though, and this will also be an important trip to watch because Mongolia is so close to China and to Russia. At the end of September, the Pope is going to go to Marseille for one day in the south of France, where he will preside at an interreligious prayer service that's held as part of a conference that seeks to address the political, economic, and environmental challenges facing Mediterranean countries. So that conference will include young people and bishops from the Mediterranean area. And while he's there, the Pope is expected to meet separately with 60 young people who are attending that conference. All right, Jerry, so a lot this week about the effort for peace from the Vatican, the Pope praying for peace in Fatima, and also connecting with young people to celebrate World Youth Day. I feel like this is going to be a really important trip to watch to Portugal in August, and I look forward to covering that with you. Thanks. Well, Colleen, there's no shortage of news on this side of the Atlantic, and I think uh, we're moving into a period where uh, many things can happen and we ask people to pray uh, 
that the Pope's peace mission has some effect in opening the door to an end to the killing. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners who may not have been super familiar with Fatima, now now they know they can ask Our Lady of Fatima for help with that. All right, Jerry, we'll talk to you next week. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This episode was produced by Ricardo da Silva. Audio engineering and production assistance from Kevin Christopher Robles. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. To keep up with the latest news out of the Vatican, please follow us on Twitter at INSDE Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at Colleen Dully, that's C O L L E E N D U L L E. And you can follow Jerry at Jerry O Rome, that's G E R R Y O R O M E. Please consider becoming a digital subscriber to America Magazine. Just click the link in our show notes to do that. It's really easy, and it's the best way to support our work here on Inside the Vatican. And if you have a little time to spare, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next time. Thank you.